Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. Hey, everyone. Today, my guest is Robert Ingalls. He's a former litigator turned founder of Law Pods, which is a podcast production company for lawyers. Robert tells us how he tried a variety of practice areas before realizing that, you know, it wasn't just the context, it was the law that was not the right fit for him. So while he still had a full-time job, Robert experimented with a number of business ideas and followed the path of some of his interests. And that experience is ultimately what led Robert to where he is now, having started his own company. One thing that I love that Robert reminds us of is the importance of expanding your circle of influence beyond lawyers who you know, you come to them with a slightly off-center idea, and they'll tell you why it's not realistic, and, you know, why this path that they haven't conceived of and they don't understand won't work. So you need to go find some new people that will tell you that it's possible and it'll work, and even people who have made it work for themselves. Because um, you guys know how I love the uh, the process of looking for evidence of the possible rather than what we have been so deeply trained to do, which is look for all of the pitfalls. So, uh, you know, this idea of experimenting and following your interests is also really the core of what we do in my upcoming program, really designing, identifying and then designing your plan around experimenting with with your interests and finding out what those paths are for you that you want to to go down and really thinking about how you can put yourself um, in the company of, of the right people so that uh, you don't get caught up in all of the, the weights that hold you back um, and instead really start taking steps towards towards a future career that, you know, if you listen to Robert, he just wakes up every morning excited to work hard on what he does. It's such a different universe. So you guys know that's just what I want for for all of you. So the details of that will be coming out that program soon. If you want to hop on the wait list, uh, I'll link it in the notes. But on to the episode. Hi, Robert, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for including me. I feel like this podcast is something I really wish was out there when I was trying to figure out my way. So I can't even imagine how helpful this is for the lawyers that are similarly situated to where I was. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I I hope it is. That's the goal. (laughs) So I start with everyone sort of in the same place, which is just asking what took you to law school in the first place? You know, there's a few factors that went into that. Uh, when I was young, I come from a small town and I actually come from a really tiny town outside of a small town. And one of the things that you aspired to, it was kind of, a you know, doctors and lawyers and such. Right. And, you know, we looked at lawyers as just the epitome of accomplishment. Those were people who had made it. They had prestige. They had money. It was something to be aspired to. So I think that was part of what drew me to it early, but I was also just interested in the law. Mm -hmm. I found 
it to be something that made me curious. We, when I was growing up, we had a relatively famous uh, murder case in my hometown, and I followed that pretty closely. My mom even took me to a couple days of the trial for one of them, and I was really uh, just very interested in that process. Thought it was very cool. I started reading books about famous crimes and started thinking this is something I could do. And then I was notoriously uh, strong-willed, as as I feel like many lawyers are. <laughs> yeah. And so, of course, people tell you, you like to argue, you should be a lawyer, which I feel like we need to stop telling children that. Yeah. But that was, you know, I think that probably fostered a little bit of it. And then I got into school. I went a couple different directions in school. I mean, you know, there was there was that uh, that semester where I said, I think I'm going to do a philosophy and religion major now. And of course, thankfully, that only lasted a semester. Yeah. And then as I was getting toward you know, really needed to take classes that mattered, I, I refocused on on the law school path. And part of that was I just wasn't really sure what else I would do. And I was a pretty good student. So I was like, let's do some more studenting. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, so that, that was really the path that took me there. Um, part of it was definitely the prestige, the yep. prestige of being a lawyer, of showing people I'd done it, uh, you know, because I, through uh, through maybe middle school and high school, I wasn't the best student. I tended to get in a little bit of trouble. And so, you know, if there was a superlative for least likely to succeed, I would have been in the running. <laughs> so turning, you know, getting things together, turning my life around that, you know, being able to say, look what I have done. I don't know that that's a good reason. Actually, I know it's not a great reason to yeah. do things, but that certainly played into it. I know. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's common, you know, a sort of common set of things that that take people to law school. So, what was law school like when you got there? Everything oh, you ever dreamed? <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> I, I really did. I was so used to skating by, um, yeah. which I feel like a number of people who end up in law school were probably relatively. Uh, good students. You know, I, I was saying earlier, I wasn't a great student in middle and high school, and that's because I just didn't care. Um, yep. it, it wasn't because I wasn't trying. I really had other priorities <laughs> in my mind yeah. at the time. But once I got serious and got into college, it was, I mean, it was easy for the most yeah. part. You know, you could, you could literally crank out a term paper for most of your classes in about 24 hours. Yeah. And that was the kind of work I was used to. And you get to law school and it is not like that. Yeah. And, and the competition is fierce. You know, I went to a state school, so and not to poo-poo on a state school in any way, but I know some schools have a lot more, you know, a lot a more competitive environment, if you will. Yeah. And so to be in the top of my major really didn't take that much attention. And then I got to law school and it was very different. Yeah. It was just aggressively different. It was difficult. You really had to pay attention and and really put in the effort every single day. And that was tough for me. I didn't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> so, I totally identify with, with that. I was like, oh. Yeah, so it was <laughs> tough. Uh, you know, I, I certainly wasn't in the top of my class um, in, in law school the way I wanted to be. I, you know, they they were very happy to take my scholarship back, or at least that's how I envisioned it. I envisioned that they were like, ha, 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 we're taking yeah. this money now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so I didn't love it. I you know, in, in hindsight, I did love having gone the experience yeah. of it and, and really just the friends that I made in that process. And the most important thing I think for me through it all was the way it helped me see the world, the way it helped me think is a better yeah. way to say that. 
it, it really changed me fundamentally as a person because it, it demanded that you think about things in a certain way. It demanded that you not just make a conclusion based on your feelings. Yeah. You know, if, if this is what you believe, why do you believe it? Take me through it, argue that, and, and then not even argue that, but argue the counter of it and yeah. attack your own ideas. And, and that just changed. I mean, that's, I don't make a decision about anything without going through a pretty quick analysis like that. And it really did change my fundamental beliefs. So yeah. that's one of the things that I will say I'm really glad I went to law school for is the ability to think critically. Yeah, I think that is sort of one of the strongest skills you come out and also one of the most universal, right? You know, it doesn't necessarily have to apply to practicing law. It could be, you know, just life decisions too. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. We need to teach, we need to start teaching that type of thinking in, you know, elementary school. Boy, do we. <laughs> um, so if you didn't love it, was there an area of law that you sort of felt yourself drawn to or just kind of like accidentally in? What was sort of your your journey out of law school? Sure. So I was all in for criminal. That's why yeah. I went to school. Yeah. I got really involved in following the Innocence Project in undergrad. I was just thrilled by the prospect of helping people who had been unjustly convicted. They're behind bars. And, and just seeing the system the wheels of the system just turn against this person and them not really have having anyone to help them. That appealed to me. Yeah. And, and so I got into law school, I got involved in the North Carolina project for actual innocence and reviewing those case files. And that was really exciting for me. It was a little less exciting when you realize that almost none of the things that you're looking at are going to go anywhere because you have yeah. these aspirations, like I'm going to get somebody out of jail. Yeah. And I mean, it was still really interesting to be a part of, but I was pursuing that criminal path and that's what I thought I wanted to do. You know, some you know, go out there and fight for the constitution and, and save people and help people. Yeah. And, and then I'll fast forward a little bit. I finished law school and I started my practice doing criminal law. And it really took me about a year of doing that to realize that I was not cut out for criminal practice. Uh, you know, I liked it. Yeah. I, you know, I love trying cases. I loved the ability to just get up and, and, and try a case. And with criminal cases, especially in the district court, you get a lot of trials yeah. because, you know, they're going to offer you basically the same deal as if you, you know, if you went in trial and were found guilty. So it's like, let's, let's roll the dice here. So you got a bunch of trials. That was a lot of fun for me. Yeah. But what really made it difficult was dealing with certain clients over and over and over again that legitimately were there because they needed to be there. Yeah. And just some of those interactions that I had and some of the things I felt like I had to do as an attorney to be an advocate for my client didn't make me feel good. Yeah. Some of, you know, the I mean some of the worst were in the domestic courtroom where yeah. You know, there's somebody has assaulted somebody else, you know, perhaps allegedly at that point, but you know, sometimes your clients come right out and tell you what, what's what, and then it's your job to, to sit at, sit there and perhaps try to, you know, chip away at the integrity of the person who 
in your heart you feel like is a victim here. Right. And and I I really struggled with that. It 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 kept me up at night. It didn't make me feel good. And so it wasn't long before I decided this is not going to work for me. Um, I'd yeah. been very idealistic early and then I got slapped with reality. So okay. that was tough. Yeah. So, but it sounds like the actual sort of mechanics of, of practicing law you still enjoyed. So how did you think about what the next step would be? Was it a context problem for you or was it broader than that? So I, I, you know, at that point, I still very much was in on the law. Like I hadn't gotten disillusioned to the point where I was like, I need to leave. And that's, yeah. and that's tough. But I knew I had to do something different. Yeah. And I really, I, I really do enjoy trial. And so I had a lot of friends that were in civil litigation. I had mentors that were in that area and, and it seemed like a natural fit that I would kind of go into that area. I'd done a ton of unemployment hearings, several hundred at that point. And that's really good trial experience. So I'd I'd really learned how to think on my feet and and craft arguments and things like that in a relatively low stakes environment. And so I was ready. So I got in, started working in the civil litigation area and I enjoyed it at first. Um, It was new. It was interesting. And I was excited about getting some trials, uh, getting out there and doing that. And, you you know, you learn as a litigator early that trials are a really small part of the game. Yeah. And and the rest of that game really didn't appeal to me. The, the, you know, the getting the clients and then starting the case and then dealing with the types of attorneys who were drawn to litigation. Yeah. And just going through that whole process and then, you know, frequently there's going to be another firm and another lawyer on the other side who's, you know, writing you the, I'm going to kill your firstborn child type of letters. (laughs) And, and you're young, you know, I was young and, and that just, that was tough because I'm like, what have I done? Maybe I really have stepped outside and I've done something wrong and, and they're going to, you know, get a rule 11 sanction on me. And then I would take that stuff to my mentors and they're like, just don't even answer that. Like, this is nonsense. This is just what they do. And I'm like, who lives their life like this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is horrible. <laughs> it was so tough. And, you know, I, I kept soldiering through and and I did enjoy it. And when I got to my first trial with, you know, a full two-day trial with the jury, I was in heaven. I loved it. It was so yeah. fun. And then I didn't get another one for like so long. <laughs> right, right. And And it was all just the the rest of the work the grind the dealing with the personalities on the other side dealing with your clients is really difficult because they have these really unrealistic expectations and everyone just seemed mad all the time yeah yeah <laughs> and and it weighed on me it really started to weigh on me and then just all the other parts of law the possibility of making a mistake and you know i i learned somewhere along the way that i've been dealing with anxiety my entire life but I never really had a name for it because where I'm from, you don't have anxiety. You just suck it up and get back right. to work, you know? And and so I didn't really understand that. And so that was something I learned later. But in hindsight, I was dealing with a ton of anxiety around the whole process, around my concerns with opposing counsel, with around, you know, freaking out about missing deadlines. It was back to those like bar study nightmares where you're waking up in the middle of the night, like, did I file this thing on time? Yeah. And that, that got the best of me. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's hard because I think it's this weird thing where, where 
people who are drawn to the law are sort of naturally like that on some part of the spectrum, right? Whether it's sort of clinical anxiety or just like, you know, someone who really like is worried about the little things, but it can push you over the edge to live in, in this environment where it's, it's a, you know, perfection expectation at all times, right? Yeah. Like that's not very healthy, particularly if you're battling with anxiety. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so as you're at that point, are you thinking, okay, again, maybe it's a change of, of practice area or were you thinking like maybe law in general isn't for me at that point? So that's when I was starting to first entertain maybe law isn't for me. However, I did, I did think maybe a new practice area. Yeah. And so as a last ditch effort, I went after estate planning. I had a friend and mentor who was in it. He had taken it as a second type of career. Like he, he was in litigation initially and didn't love it. And then he went into estate planning. He seemed very happy. Yeah. That feels like a pretty good, a pretty good practice area for. Yeah. So, and I found out really quickly, like it's very chill. It's not, you know, if you're just doing basic estate planning, it's yeah. really not stressful work. Yeah. People come in, you, you you know, you do their intake, you get an idea for who they are and what they need, and then you prepare their documents. And yeah. a lot of that's automated now anyway. You kind of plug stuff into a system, the system spits out the documents and you sit and sign with them. And so it wasn't the level of stress was far, far different. However, yeah. the problem I ran into is it's so boring. Boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I just, I wasn't interested. And in and that's when I really, like, that was the time period where I really started learning about media and getting involved in marketing. And I had this idea, I was like, I'm going to have this virtual estate planning firm. And So I started building all of that out and learning systems and processes and technology. And that is really where I fell in love with that part, with the technology. Like I started a podcast for my estate planning business and I had the hardest time talking about estate planning because it was boring to me. And I literally would talk about other things in my estate planning podcast. (laughs) I feel like anybody who listened to that was like, I don't know what's going on here. Like he's trying to make me a better person while also talking about how I can fix my estate. And in my mind, it made perfect sense. But I think that's so interesting though, because I'm always telling people just, just do things. You don't know what it's going to reveal about you, but like doing that and finding out what it was that you did want to talk about, I'm sure was, you know, enlightening. <laughs> yes. And that's, and that is such good advice. Just do things because yeah. I did so many things that I'm not doing now, just doing things like you just have to yeah. kind of get started and do something, do anything and keep doing it. And what you enjoy will reveal itself if you get after it long enough. Yeah. So what sort of bubbled to the top for you in, in that process? So this this is kind of timely because we just had a baby two weeks ago. I say we. Oh my I didn't gosh, do, congratulations. Thank you. I didn't do any <laughs> of that work. But it was it really was what really kick started the the change in my life was children. Yeah. Because I had just gotten married and we when we got married, you know, we had the conversation about children, but it was more of a if it happens, it happens type yeah. of angle. 
And we, I don't think we realized that we were in our mid to late thirties when we got married. And yeah. it was like, well, if it doesn't happen now, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And, and so within a couple months of getting married, my wife said, I think that we should start trying now. Well, you know, before the wedding, it was later guys problem. And, and then right. it was all of a sudden <laughs> today guys problem. And today guy freaked out a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I really started to have a bit of a emotional crisis and started, I, I just had a moment I sat down and I started thinking, I was like, I'm not in any position, um, emotionally, financially to be someone's father. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't want to, I'm just not in a place to do that. So I started taking stock of my life and making a list of the things that I needed to work on and things like that. And I, I knew that I was profoundly unhappy with my legal career with what I was doing. And this was a little bit before I got into the estate planning stuff. I was still in litigation and I knew that I just really didn't want to do that. And so I made a list of these things on that list was money management, terrible money manager. And so I read a book about money management and that book said, you should listen to our podcast. And so I listened to their podcast. First one I'd ever listened to. Mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't really for me, but I was already in the app. So I was like, well, another thing, I was running a law office. So I was like, well, I'll look at office management. So I found office management podcast. And the first guest on that office management podcast was this guy named Tom Bilyeu. I've talked about him all the time, but he founder of Quest Nutrition. He now has a company called Impact Theory as a podcast, very good podcast for mindset stuff. And, but that was literally the moment where the light bulb turned on when I was listening to this guy talk about mindset and and essentially telling me that I can do whatever I want. Now we've heard people tell us we can do whatever we want our whole life, but he said it in such a way that it was like, it doesn't matter what you've done before. It doesn't matter this, that, and the other. Like if you're doing something and you're just doing it for the wrong reasons and you're not happy, you don't have to do that. And I mean, it was much more, uh, you know, I'm not doing it service the way I'm describing it, but it was that moment and that, what he had to say resonated with me. And it was like a light bulb went on. And I said, I don't want to, I definitely don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. And that was the first moment where I said, I entertained the idea of perhaps not doing law. And, you know, within 30 days of listening to that podcast, I owned like a thousand dollars worth of gear. I own the microphone I'm talking on right this second, because um, when I buy things, I always buy the nicest things. It's a (laughs) it's, it's, it's bit me before I've sold a lot of stuff on Craigslist, um, that I didn't end up getting into, but thankfully this one worked, but yeah, I got, I, I bought that gear. I started teaching myself how to podcast and there wasn't a lot of resources at that time to just be able to figure out how to do it yourself. So I really bootstrapped it and just made a lot of mistakes, bought a lot of cords and gear. I didn't know how to use and didn't need, but figured it out along the way, started playing around with it. That's, you know, fast forward a few months, I started the podcast out of my law firm doing estate planning. So you're sort of exploring this new thing. You've got the podcast going. I love what you said about sort of listening to the podcast and having it occur to you that you, you know, when we're told we can do anything, I think we interpret that as you can reach the pinnacle of you know, being a lawyer or some other sort of defined path. And for some reason, we don't extrapolate that to meaning, oh, you could just start over and be successful at something entirely different. Right. right. <laughs> and, and I do think there is oddly this kind of need for permission, even if it is just from someone on a podcast um, that opens your eyes to the fact that 
this is an option <laughs> to just yeah. do something totally different. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, it, that reminds me of, of something you hear people say all the time. Well, oh, I've, that book's been written before, or that's been said before. And while that's true, frequently content and books and podcasts where people are talking about well-tread paths, they usually have something unique to say, and they can usually say it in a way that is going to resonate for the first time with someone. And, and so we get in this habit of saying, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. There's already people doing that. And that's, that was a moment where I kind of realized you can reject that. Like just because someone's doing it doesn't mean that there's no room for other people to do it. And doesn't mean that it's not needed, that there's not space and a, and and a necessity for your voice to be in that space. Yeah. And the truth is that, you know, it's, it's not just that people are saying things at different, in slightly different ways, but you may be hearing it at a different moment in your life when you're more open to it. And so there's just so much more space, um, where people need things than I think we, we allow for. Yeah. Um, so where did you go from there? So, you know, I, I started, like I was telling you, I started that podcast out of the law firm. I think I made it about 10 episodes before I realized I cannot keep talking about this. Yeah. And well, and the, 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 thankfully the virtual estate planning was not something a lot of people were interested in. You know, even almost every client I got still wanted to come in to an office and talk to me. And I had abandoned my office space and went all in on this virtual. So I'm renting conference space at these law offices and paying the law office for conference space to meet with these clients. And I was like, well, this isn't working out the way I wanted it to at all. I wonder if that would be different now, but (laughs) I have to assume, I have to assume that, that it's going to do a lot better because this year you didn't have a choice. And so I think people are going to be a lot more in on doing almost anything that way. Yeah. So that wasn't working out great, which is good. Um, It kind of sucked at the time, but it's a good example though. Sometimes when things aren't going well, it's actually that you're on the right path. Right. Right. I'm very, I'm very fortunate. There was a number of places in my law career that um, if they would have been going better, I probably would have stuck with. So I'm fortunate for that. But I, you know, I realized, look, I can't, this, I don't care enough about estate planning to keep this podcast. So I ended up taking the podcast onto its own platform and making it much more something I wanted to talk about because I loved podcasting. I wanted to keep using that medium and exploring it. I didn't even really know what I was doing with it. I just wanted to talk about something that mattered to me. And I had gathered a a small uh, listenership, but people that interacted with me. And I mean, that's, I mean, you're a podcast host. You know how good it feels when you start a podcast and people actually start listening and then they reach out to you. I know. I couldn't believe people. I just started this sort of on a whim too. And then, you know, all of a sudden people are listening. I'm like, that's not even someone I know. This is too many people for people. No. <laughs> yeah, I I had a former client reach out to me and he said, you know, I hate what I'm doing and I listen to your podcast and he's like, I'm going to go back to school and do this one thing that I've always wanted to do and I'm like, oh my word. So yeah. that is incredibly fulfilling for me. And yeah. so that kept me going at that. And I was still trying to figure out my way with law. I knew that I probably wanted out. Like I had come to that decision where it's probably not going to work, but I didn't know what. I yeah. really just was lost. I, I was starting some different ideas. I was kind of storyboarding 
different visions for entrepreneurship. I I did want to go in that direction. Yeah. And, you know, I talked with a couple of friends about these different business ideas and we'd even put, you know, lots of hours into a couple of different ones, but nothing really came to fruition. Yeah. And there was this, I mean, I had this idea that maybe I could help other people start their podcast. And cause I'd get calls about it. Like people would say, Hey, you know, I was thinking about this and it was just advice. It was just me giving free advice to people. Yeah. And, and, but part of it was, and it's kind of something that you touched on earlier was I didn't feel like, like, who am I to, to even consider this? Like, who am I to, I, I'm going to tell people after going to law school, getting all this debt and starting a career that I'm going to do this other thing that, you know, at that point in time, maybe 55% of the people in the United States had even heard the word. Right. And and I'm going to go risk it on that. So it was really hard to get for, you know, through that, those kind of mental hangups there. Right. But, you know, I think it took, it took about a year probably of just still focusing on the podcast, still helping people out, doing some informal coaching for people based on what I had learned. Yeah. And then I was at a a networking event with some other lawyers and one of the, you know, one of the more prominent attorneys in town that I knew said, I see you're doing that stuff with podcasting. He's like, I'd love a, why don't we, why don't we do something together? He's like, I've been kind of thinking about that. Why don't we do something together? Yeah. And I said, sure, let's do it. And he said, come by in the morning, that kind of guy. Love it. And, and so I came by in the morning, we started, we launched that podcast and, uh, you know, that was client number one. It was kind of crazy because I'd never launched a podcast for somebody else before. And I had like zero money because I'm starting to get away from law, still trying to figure out how to make money. So the financial crunch was terrible. And, and and at this point, this is late 17. We have a baby that's like nine months old. And, and that was really stressful, um, for everyone inside the house. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) And so, you know, I'm making, and of of course I grossly underpriced my products because I'm brand new in the market. Yep. And with that said, every dollar he gave me had to stay in my pocket. So I figured all of it out. I sat up one night, all night, taught myself how to do Photoshop so I could make his cover art for his podcast. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, now I know how to use it, but I, I learned how to do every little aspect. And, you know, that was my first client. And then about three or four months later, the work I did with him, another lawyer saw it and said, Hey, I like what you're doing. Let's, let's do one there. And so that was the second client. I, you know, it was building out my model, figuring out how to make things more efficient. I mean, I was still yeah. definitely, kind of like flailing. Like I was like, this seems like it could work, but I certainly was, I didn't have this idea like, okay, you know, I've got this, this is how it's going to go. We're going to do it. Practice at this point. It's not as if you fully jumped ship. Right. So I did, I, during that process, I definitely did decide to jump ship sometime right around the time I got the first client. I said, okay, I got to get out. Like I'm done with law. I just have to be out. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I have to be out. And then fortuitously, a job came up with a bank um, sometime in early 18. And it was a, you know, it was a pretty cushy job. Like, you know, the way it was pitched to me based on my skill set, it was something I could do without a ton of, like, it wasn't going to wear me down. Yeah. And, you know, when I negotiated the, 
the job. Like they were like, look, as long as you get your work done, we don't care how you do it, where you do it. And they knew about my, you know, my, my podcasting job. So I was really fortunate to be able to get hired for a good full-time job that gave me a lot of flexibility to still grow my company. I feel like that can be tough. And so I, yeah, I went through all of that. I, I worked at the job. So I was able to, you know, that, that helped solve my financial crunch because that was starting to get really bad. Yeah. yeah. And it, and I still started building that company, but you know, I, I feel like often when we see success stories of companies, it's like, it seems like it was predestined. Like, well, yeah. of course that was going to work. They had a great idea, yeah. but that is not what it felt like. It, it felt like, and I don't think that's what it was. Like, I mean, I really put the grind in on this thing and and showed up in people's faces and called and and just harassed mercilessly everyone <laughs> I knew about this. Yeah. And, and, you know, really, and I did, I mean, I got a few of my friends that finally were just like, we're going to help you do it. Like, we're going to, we're going to get in on this. Like we think yeah. that there's something to it. And, but I believed in it too. It wasn't some, you know, crazy idea I had. Like I was, I was in the numbers. I was right. watching the market. I was seeing it grow. I'm heavily involved in the community. I go to conferences. I'm, I network consistently with people who are in the industry. And right. so I did believe in it. When you actually like what you're doing, you want to do, be spending your time and energy. On yes. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, and that's actually a good pivot point there is the way I felt when I was doing the work was incredible. Like I, I wasn't stressed out about the work. I wasn't anxious about the work. I was anxious to get up and go do the work to, to be a part of this job, to get out. Like, you know, the moment I could stop doing the other job, which was fine, but then go to work, start talking to clients about this, start actually building, doing the operations, building the systems, figuring out what works and what doesn't. It was thrilling for me. And that's still my favorite part of the job. Like, I mean, as as the founder and CEO of the company, I wear a lot of hats, but I yeah. love the operation side. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's, um, it is a testament to just following the thread. I, I, I see this in myself and a lot of people I talk to is, you know, back initially when you started to think, oh, civil litigation is maybe not for me, you couldn't have anticipated where you are now, right? You couldn't have sat down and made a plan to execute everything you've done between then and now, right? It's following your interest, following sort of the breadcrumbs ahead of you in a way. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, I certainly, I really didn't expect to go in this direction. Um, A lot of that I think was mindset was, I, I just didn't have the right mindset. I didn't believe that I was creative. I, you know, had a very fixed mindset. Like this is what I'm good at. This is what I do. And the idea of stepping out and doing something different was terrifying, a terrifying from a personal level, but then also terrifying to tell other people about. Right. And, and so I kept it kind of close for a long time because I didn't want people to think that I look silly, which in hindsight, it's like, psh, you know? I know. But I think that's common. I think a lot of us feel like that. What do you think was sort of the tipping point for where you felt both internally with, with yourself and in terms of telling other people when, what made you comfortable sort of putting your stake in the ground and being like, no, now I am, this is what I'm doing. I'm leaving the law and I'm going down this path. So there were a few things there, but one of the things that I think really helped propel me forward is there's a conference called Podcast Movement. They hold it every year. And I had 
considered going to an Anaheim in 2017, but my finances just weren't in a place where I was, I felt like I could take that expenditure. And then I ended up tweeting, I think the company was Spreaker that I tweeted at and I won a ticket just by tweeting at them. And so I won that ticket and I was like, well, I feel like now I have to go. So we, you know, cobbled our frequent flyer miles together and got me a flight out to LA. I went to that conference and I met so many people who were doing what I was thinking about doing, who were producing and editing podcasts for other people, but and not just doing it, like that was their full-time business and they were doing well and they yeah. were growing. And, and then it, it gave me an insight into the industry that I didn't already have. And I saw, you know, businesses that were getting into it. I saw the potential for that market and that helped me make that decision. It helped me go, okay, this is real. This isn't just some fly by night thing that I'm interested in, but maybe nobody else will be. And thankfully, you know, the last four years have very much proven that right. We see the numbers of overall podcast listening, daily listening, monthly listening, businesses getting involved. Those numbers are just that staircase every single month, every single year is growing. So thankfully that idea proved out, but that conference was a really did help propel me in this direction and and give that idea some substance. And so when I came back from that, I I felt like this isn't silly. This is something that actually could be real. And that helped me go all in on it. I, you know, I, I ended up uh, using, like I, I, we had very little money at the moment. Like it, things were getting yeah. tight because I'm leaving the law and things like that. And I ended up using a substantial chunk of money to, get into a podcasting course that would really help me accelerate my knowledge from where it was to where it needed to be, like to yeah. really get down and into it. And, and that was a tough decision to make because you know it was a substantial chunk of cash at the time. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm really glad that we invested it, but it was tough. And even after we invested it, there were some conversations in my house about maybe that wasn't the right idea. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know? You know, it's not it's not a straight path, right? But I love what you said about the conference because I'm always saying, you know, in some ways you have to look for evidence of of possibility, right? So, you know, in our sort of issue spotter lawyer brain, we can easily find all the reasons why something won't work. Yes. <laughs> but you have to look for the evidence that it could. And there really truly is like nothing like surrounding yourself with people who not only believe it's possible, but are maybe doing it themselves and just putting yourself in a different environment. Because if you're around a whole bunch of sort of worry wart lawyers, you're going to get that feedback. But if you're at a conference full of podcast producers, you're going to get that feedback. You have nailed it because when I first got into this idea of entrepreneurship, I started, you know, my first ideas had to do with law yeah, because that's what I was involved in. And the people I networked with and spent time with were lawyers and it was nothing but here's why you shouldn't do that. Here's why that's not going to work. And it was just constantly tearing apart every idea you had. And it was so frustrating because I'm an idea person. So it's so frustrating to, to deal with that. And then, you know, I walked into that conference and within the first like hour, I was like, these are my people. I've been to a ton of legal conferences and I never felt like that. I went to this conference, like I have found my people and you, because everyone wants to know what's your podcast about, what's your idea about. And when you are surrounded by creatives and you start talking about the things that you're considering, the things you're talking about, 
their first instinct is not to find the flaws. Their first instinct is how can we do that? And even if they find a flaw, they immediately start thinking, how can we get around that? How can we fix that? How can we design what we're doing to overcome that potential setback? And it was just like, wow, like, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a really cool moment in life. That's, that's awesome. And I, I have experienced that in my journey as well. And it's just so energizing to, to put yourself in those circles <laughs> when you're used to the other circles. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I just think that's such, such a huge tip for people. So where do you sort of see yourself going from here? Yeah, that's, uh, it, right now, I mean, so where we are right this moment is we've built the company out to a point that we consider ourselves like a real company. Because in the beginning, you know, you're scrapping, you're putting things together. It's really hard to to say, uh, like to feel like you're a legitimate company. And so we're at a point now where we have, you know, we started out with small clients. And I, I mean, I love our small firms, but we're at a point now where we're trusted by firms that are, you know, AM100 law firms. Yeah. and so we kind of feel like we've arrived a little bit, like we we have built a product that the legal field as a whole has found value in. And, you know, we're constantly refining and, and trying to make our product better, but we really do believe in it. We feel like we have it in a place that we want it. And so now our, the only goal we have right this moment is to scale, um, is, is to really start stress testing these systems that we've built. And so our five-year plan is, uh, is to, really grow the company to a point where when people in the law field think about podcasting, it's synonymous with, with us. Kind of like if you think about rollerblading and inline skates, like we, you know, this is my little dream, but I do look forward to lawyers referring to their podcast as their law pod. We're going to make it stick. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) But yeah, we really just want to capture that market and and, and grow from there. Like long-term, my goal is to, um, do, do we curse on this podcast? Yes. Feel free. Wonderful. I mean, we're (laughs) lawyers. Come on. So my goal with this company is to get the fuck you money is, is to get the money that, and that's different for everybody. That number is honestly not that high for, for my family, but the money that allows us to take a breath and not worry about money. Yeah. Because, you know, we don't need that second house. We don't need that yacht. Like we have very specific ideas of what success is to us. And we want to get to that point where we're not stressing about where the bills are going. And not that we are, but you know, everybody has their budget to a degree. We want to get to a point where that's a lot less interesting. And I feel like for someone like me, that's going to free up space in my head to do something really great. And, and I really don't even necessarily know what that's going to be, but I can feel it. I can yeah. feel something in, in the next chapter is going to be exciting. And I, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So that's, I mean, that's the goal for the future is to build this company up to a point where we're doing uh, exceedingly well and, and then free up a little space to see what direction I want to go in next. It's going to be something in the entrepreneur field, but I yeah. expect it'll also be something with public interest and heart, because I also feel very strongly about, you know, like I was telling you at the very beginning, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in helping people. I, that's what drew me to criminal law was, you know, helping people, getting justice for people like public interest is, is near my heart. So it'll probably have something in that vein, something that's going, you know, went on 
on my deathbed, if people show up, that's going to be, I want them to remember something like that, that something where I reached out and I helped the community. The world is in some way noticeably better, even if it's a small number of lives than if I hadn't shown up and done that thing. Yeah. And I think that's, that's amazing because I also, I want people to hear that because we go through law school, we see you may have that sort of north, I call it like your north star vision, that, that that's kind of a legacy that you want. And I think we get trapped in thinking the only way to serve that legacy is through this box that we're used to, which is, okay, being a, a lawyer for a nonprofit or something like that, right? But there are other ways to serve that same vision that aren't, you know, that limited view that we go into it with. So you don't have sure. to let go of that completely. <laughs> when you think about your your career evolving. Right. So, well, that get, like I just got energized by that. I'm like excited because I'm like also a big idea person and a big dream person, so I think that's amazing. So, just to wrap up, looking back, sort of if to people who are in that moment of I think this is not for me probably, but very much in that but what next stage? what sort of advice would you give them or tips or you mentioned a couple of um, a couple of resources, but anything you'd sort of give to these people to start? So first I would say, you know, don't make any rash decisions because I don't think everyone who, and actually I know this just from talking to a lot of other lawyers who have thought about going this way is not everyone really does want to leave law. I think sometimes things get hard, they get stressful and, it can be easy to say, well, this isn't for me. And I think that's one of the things that took me a little longer as well was I, I developed this kind of lean into it mentality when I was younger. And that's really one of the reasons I was able to achieve even a modicum of success is I learned that I had to lean into things that were uncomfortable, that were difficult. And I would have, I I just couldn't have made it anywhere if I hadn't. And because I was such a shy child and, you know, I I would fail book reports for books that I'd read because I was too afraid to get in front of the class. Mm -hmm. And so I really committed to leaning into discomfort and that while it served me well, it also made it difficult to give up, if you will, on something because I said, well, this is difficult. This is hard. I don't like it, but maybe the answer is to double down, is to really get after it. And, you know, I I don't think I mentioned it on this podcast, but conflict was really the thing I think that wore me down the most was just that never ending conflict. And because I didn't like it and because it was so uncomfortable, I leaned into it. Uh, and for a long time, yeah. And so I think, uh, I think a lot of other people probably do the same thing when things get hard, you know, when the, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think you have to make that determination and I don't think you should try to make it really quickly. Um, I think you should sit down and do some soul searching and, and figure out, okay, is this ever going to make me happy or do I need to get out yeah. and, and, and don't make a rash decision, take some time to do it. And there are a ton of resources out there. I mean, I think that there's a number of different podcasts, legal-specific podcasts that kind of discuss this. I mean, I think this is a great resource for people as well. I'll I'll tell you one of the books uh, that really helped me with with Mindset is actually a book called Mindset. 
Mm-hmm. And it's by Dr. Carol Dweck. I think she's a Stanford psychologist. And, yeah. you know, I always, I struggled a lot with this very fixed mindset. Um, and, you know, I am who I am. I'm, I was born this way. I'm not good at this. I'm good at that. And, and it's, you know, it, it's more complex than that basic idea, but that book helped me out a lot. It helped me tap into my creative side and realize that I don't need to kind of be afraid of that, that I'm not one person. I am the person I choose to be. I mean, I don't want to get too woo-woo on you, but- Feel free. The, I love the blue. <laughs> it, 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 it changed me um, you know, in a fundamental way to stop looking at the world from the perspective that I'd been viewing it from. There are, and, and there's so many other books. I probably read, you know, a hundred books in a two year period about, and most of them were personal development and business books to, yep. to really kind of propel myself. Extreme ownership was another one that was really helpful for me. Kind of, you know, if I could sum it down into one, one, uh, one sentence, it's everything's your fault, you know, yeah. and it's a mindset. It's not saying everything's your fault. It's just, if you approach everything that happens in your life, like you have the ability to, uh, to take control of it. Yeah. Then it it, it gives you, it's, it's very empowering. So no matter what happens, what could I have done? What could I, what could I have done differently? What can I do different in the future to get the outcome that I want? Like everything that I do and I think about and I, and I'm working towards it, it's all, does it serve me? Does yeah. this decision serve me? Does this? Cause sometimes I think some of the things that I, I think from day to day might not be true. I'm not sure, but in that moment they serve me. And, and that's just kind of the mindset that I've developed, but extreme ownership was a super good book. It's a couple yeah. of Navy SEALs with that. Um, it's a leadership book. Interesting. Yeah. I love, I, I haven't read that one, but I have read mindset and I totally oh, agree. That so good. You know, because I think so much of this is more of an inside job than people, you know, people want to find that, you know, job, the answer, but it's so much of the mindset stuff has to come into play to get you to an answer that will actually fulfill you. Yeah, that's a big one. I mean, know know thyself. I think that that's a really good place to start is, is just start looking internally and you know, that's a little woo woo there, but just start, get to know yourself. And, and I think a lot of good can come from that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, tell us where people can find you. Sure. So the easiest place to find me and interact with me is on LinkedIn, Robert Ingalls there. I don't think there's a lot of us there, so that should be pretty easy to find. I'm probably the only one with the podcast in their uh, title on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Then you can also find LawPods at LawPods.com. And then we're across social media at LawPods as well. And you can always tweet at me on Twitter at Robert B. Ingalls. I'm not super active there, but active enough that I will uh, absolutely engage with you. All right, great. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I love what you're doing.